Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. Today is episode 72, and we're headed off to Telluride, Colorado, to have a conversation with Wendy Jacobs Hampton, who is most notably credited with bringing the luxury wedding market to this small but extraordinary Colorado mountain town of Telluride by producing the wedding of two royal American families. David Lauren and Lauren Bush, the families of Ralph Lauren, and former presidents George Bush and George W. Bush. The story of how she got there is actually a fascinating one, being that her two principal interests were the Grateful Dead and skiing. But she tells an amazing story, so I'm going to let Wendy herself do the talking. She is absolutely delightful. Let's introduce you. Is it Wendy Jacobs Hampton or just Wendy Jacobs? I go by Wendy Jacobs Hampton. I lived in Telluride for a very long time as Wendy Jacobs, and I've been married for 15 years, but it took it takes this community a long time to shift to my married name, so I kept it all. My alias DJ name is Wendy J. That's what I'm really known as, is Wendy J. <laughs> Wendy J. I yeah. love it. Yeah, that's how people in Telluride know me. So there's literally 2,500 people in the town. Yeah, it's a small town, but there's a strong local community here, and we stick together. So when you and I started talking yesterday, you started talking, and I said, you know, you talk like you're from New York. Not that you have a New York accent. I don't think either one of us have a New York accent, per se. Do I? I think we have moments of New York accent, Doug, to be honest. Yeah, probably. But I said, you sound like you're from New York, and you said... I am. Yeah. You grew up in Westchester. Yeah. I grew up in Long Island, moved to Westchester, and you grew up in Westchester and moved to Colorado. I grew up in Westchester, but I grew up in a big ski family. So skiing was a huge part of our lives. And the truth is, is that every decision I made in life in my 20s and 30s was based on skiing. My folks bought a place in Telluride in 1982. So I started coming to Telluride when I was a kid. No one had ever heard mm-hmm. of this town yet. Just before the film festival, before Before everything. I mean, really, there was nothing here. I mean, people knew of Aspen, but in Telluride, people would say, what is that? I went to a high school so that I could ski race. Were you competitive? I was. Yeah, I was a competitive ski racer when I was young. So I moved to Telluride in 1990, but I did go to college in Denver. I went to DU and was always down here skiing and driving here nonstop. But I'm like a tried and true Yankees fan. So, you know, I got all. Oh, I love you. Yeah. I love you. I mean, I'm a New Yorker. I mean, my roots are New York. Yeah. I mean, I've been living in Colorado since 1990s. Oh, that's 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved out west and I was like a classic ski bum that still managed to go to college. But every year I tell my parents, I'm quitting college, I'm moving to Telluride. And they'd say, stick it out, just do whatever it takes. I mean, I wasn't like an academic. I'm a party girl at a ski. No, but tell everyone like where you went to school. One of the most famous prep schools. Oh, so yes, I did. I went to a school called Ripawamsisqua. And then I went to an all-girls boarding school called Miss Hall School for Girls. I ravaged that place, I'll tell you. We were like prep school hippies in the late 80s. You know, we were on tour with the Grateful Dead. And we music was a big part of our lives. And sports and... I mean, a lot of my background in throwing events is the fact that I was throwing parties starting at a very young age. And I grew up with a family that threw massive parties. I grew up in a party house. So like my parents would say, I'm having, a, we're having a party in next month. We're having 300 people, we're tenting. We're having Oktoberfest, we're having football teams and bluegrass bands and pumpkin carving and apple dunking and tents and catering. and fe- That's how I grew up. Party. This is in Westchester? This or is in, in Westchester. Big party okay. family. And same goes to when we all came to Colorado. It would be like 20 New York families coming out to ski. My parents partied very hard. All the kids would be up in the attic. Ski, party, repeat. So that's kind of the lifestyle I grew up in. I like to say I'm a chameleon because I, I am a Jewish kid that went to camp, but I'm also the kid that went to these prep schools and pedigree. And But then I'm also like the ski bum mountain girl that flew the coop and went out west and... But you know what? It sounds an awful lot like you would be describing Ralph Lauren. I would not put my name that a, it is, a but... A Bronx <laughs> Jewish kid? 
Because Wendy is most famous for, or that's your would, claim to fame? I would say that that job is without a doubt what put my company on the map and then also what created a luxury industry in Telluride. It didn't exist before that job. So There's an amazing documentary yeah. on Ralph Lauren. At the end of it, they show this astonishing spread of his in Telluride. Yeah. Ralph owns so if, the largest yeah. private ranch in the state of Colorado. Um, it's about 30 miles from Telluride because it's such an enormous piece of property. Telluride's a small little box canyon valley. So when you say enormous, what do you mean? Like acres and acres and acres? Like tens of thousands of acres. But it's really beautiful what he's built there because it's a working ranch. It's a real working ranch. There are cowboys on the ranch. And that's where the double RL steaks come from that they serve in New York and they serve in Paris at his restaurant. No kidding, really? Yeah. So he has, it's a working ranch with cattle and he has this slew of well-dressed, gorgeous cowboys working on the ranch. Of course. Um, but they're real deal cowboys. And instead of building like an, one enormous house, what he's done is he's almost built like this camp where it's all these different cabins. Each cabin is individually decorated impeccably and each family like David and Lauren have their own cabin, Dylan and Paul and their kids have a cabin, Andrew has a cabin, and then they have like a cookhouse and a saloon, six teepees, newly decorated every year. And when you talk about it, an incredible place to visit and see, it is that. This is one of the true great American success stories. And the truth about them is, um, and you know, we can talk more about that job as we get into it, but they are incredible people. They are kind and generous and warm and they're like it's a beautiful family really yeah. I, mean, I i was treated with an unbelievable amount of respect and it's a long story of how i got that job but my name was not in the wedding planning books at that point they went with a local girl and granted i fit the bill you know i was a little bit molded from the job like the jewish new yorker transplanted to telluride colorado who's a wedding planner but they really could have brought in anyone oh sure we i mean do you should we just jump into that and talk about the Ralph job, because that's Wendy. pretty far down the line, but I can go there. Wendy, this is all you. Really, the, 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 how that all came about was um, Lauren Bush, who's the bride, who's George Bush's niece and granddaughter of George and Barbara. Wait, who is she, Jenna Bush? Jenna Bush is George Bush's daughter. George W. George W. 43. 43. This Bush 41 was George Bush Sr. Right. So Bush 41's granddaughter and G-Dub's niece is Lauren Bush. George, George W is called G-Dub's? Yeah. That's great. I love it. Um, so this is what this podcast is all about. <laughs> this is where this job was sort of extra incredible because it's the Lauren family and the Bush family coming together for this wedding. So it was, I mean, people talk about it being the Lauren wedding. What sometimes gets forgotten is that I had presidents on site at that wedding. Uh, my whole thing about George W. is <laughs> that I don't think I agreed with him on any policy. And I think he left with a 23% approval rating. Yes. But he just seemed like a guy that you'd want to sit around and have a beer with. So the truth is, is that when people say that, I actually, I spent quite a bit of time with him and he's a lovely guy. He knew when he was here that he was not surrounded by anybody that voted for him. So <laughs> Telluride was an extremely liberal place and Lawrence are liberal Democrats. So when he came to that wedding, I think that he knew that he was in hostile territory. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't the president anymore. He's very gregarious. And very, I mean, he called me Wendy, Wendy, and he put his arm around me and he'd go, Wendy, Wendy, where are we going now? We're heading over here, Mr. President. My, my biggest embarrassing story in all of my event planning career, okay. but also sort of a heartwarming one, was, um, so the, for the Lauren wedding, you know, be, when I talk about that piece of property, the actual wedding was 11 miles away from the highway. There was an old sheep herder's barn that was where they wanted this wedding to play, take place. So we built a chapel, we rebuilt the barn, we put in a new roof, we decked it, we put in flooring, um, we built walkways and we built roads. And it wasn't just a wedding, it was like building a small village for the wedding. 
Right. Within that, I it since it's so far away, I had to bring in every possible thing that you could need for a wedding. Like we had built eight bars, so those bars were stocked full, as far as I knew. And so, uh, George Bush goes up to one of the bars to order a drink, and I look at my bartender, and I could see the color drain from his face. <laughs> and I walk over, and I, you know what's going on? How can I help you, Mr. President? And he ordered a non-alcoholic beer. I had everything on site, but the <laughs> one thing I did not have was any beer. And I just looked at him and I was like, I'm sorry, Mr. President, I don't have any non-alcoholic beer. Um, I'm mortified. And he goes, shit, I guess I'll have a Diet Coke then. That's <laughs> like, hysterical. But it's just, and, and I will tell you from now going forward, I have always had at least one case of non-alcoholic beer at a wedding because all of my weddings are off-site in these far-off mountain locations, not near anywhere where you can get everything. You've got to have everything that you need. So... That was my my great lesson and my great mistake of the Lauren wedding. Um, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, tell me about when you do, let's just call it a celebrity wedding because it's a celebrity wedding. Yeah. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. So you're a competitive skier or a competitive partier? Both. Okay. Both. But like Olympic bound or? No, definitely not Olympic bound, no. Okay, so just for fun. I mean, I was like the captain of the high school ski team, but most people... Okay, but not to be Lindsey Vaughn. No, 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 no. Way too big of a partier to be able to pull something like that off. But <laughs> um, no, just skiing for fun. Just like true purebred ski bum behavior. Give us a picture of the, uh, the terrain of Colorado, only because it's so funny. We're talking, what is this, today's September 8th? Today's September 8th, and we've got about six inches of fresh snow outside, snowing as we're talking. You know, I'm sitting in your old home of Westchester, and it's 80 degrees and muggy and it's been raining all morning. Yeah. And I look on Google, and it says, tell your eye, 34 degrees and snowing. Yeah. It's That's mountain. crazy. It's awesome. It's the best. What Telluride is known for is we're sort of like a hippie, rootsy, very extreme skiing mountain. The skiing's a lot harder here than it is in Vail. And it took a long time for really people to find out about Telluride. It's a little off the beat path. It's hard to get to. Now it's complete, like the word is out and people know about it. It's been Condé Nast, best town to visit and all of those things. But back in the day, it was more of like a magical secret wonderland. Oh, um, that's nice. So I moved here full time in 1994. And, and my first job, it's interesting. My first career does play into being an event producer because really I was an outdoor educator. So what I did for the first 13 years of my life was take kids backpacking, kayaking, climbing, I ran trips all over the country. And so I started working at an organization in Telluride called the Telluride Academy, which is a nonprofit outdoor ed organization and was the program director. And since it's a nonprofit, I had to run all of their fundraising events. We were throwing big parties, big fundraising parties for this organization. I had a friend who actually worked for me at the Academy as an instructor and she decided to start this wedding planning company. And there really was not a wedding planner in Telluride at the time, and the industry didn't even really exist. He started this little wedding planning company called Soiree Exquisite Events. Okay. And I asked to work for her on her first ever wedding. And pretty much what that meant was like moving chairs and making sure there was flowers. I mean, it was very low scale. Right. And I said, after the wedding, I was like, that was awesome. That was right up my alley. I've been doing, I've been throwing parties my whole life. If you ever need help, I would love to help you again. And yeah. she said, I fucking hated it. You want to buy it? And she said, for $2,000, you can buy this business. And I have one job on the books. With that job, you'll make back that money. So if you hate it too, you can just walk away. And so I remember like thinking about it, $2,000 at the time was a lot of money for me. I mean, I was like living in a cabin with a bunch of ski bumps. We didn't even have heat. We were like <laughs> we were in a house that was like a wood burning stove, you know, like, but... I decided to go for it. And so with that $2,000, I bought a box that had like a business license, 
some contracts, templates, you know, one page website and one client. And so that first client was a wedding for 250 people that was offsite tented ceremony and cocktails and then moving the guests to a tented reception that was like attached to a restaurant. And I truly knew nothing about weddings, wedding planning, nothing. I just sort of flew by the seat of my pants, pretended I knew what I was talking about and went for it. I made my two grand. It went great. I changed the name to Soiree Telluride. I dropped the exquisite. Each summer we got larger and larger weddings and but cutting to 2011 when Lauren Bush stepped into the picture. And that was sort of, the, that job was what drastically changed the trajectory of my career, but also, as I mentioned, like the luxury industry in this town. Okay. What happened was she called a hotel and said, are there any wedding planners in town? And the hotel gave my name. Oh, nice. Because there weren't any really besides me. And so Lauren Bush called me and we hit it off. Initially, she said, well, I'm having this wedding and I think it would be a great fit to maybe do the rehearsal dinner or some of the ancillary events and some of the smaller pieces and parts to the wedding. And I said, sounds great. I would love to. But throughout the whole process, I kept saying, but you know, I can do the wedding. And she said, well, we're talking to a lot of different people. I said... That's fine, I completely understand, but I can do the wedding. It was months of that sort of conversation. I flew Ralph and Ricky, I flew to New York, I met with them in New York City. I think the thing that really got them was what I said was, you could bring in one of the most famous wedding planners in the world to do this wedding, and nobody in Telluride will really give a shit because Telluriders don't care about celebrity and they don't care about self-important people or people that believe that what they're doing is the most important thing. But what I will tell you is that Telluride cares about me mm-hmm. and this community will support me in this job and work their asses off to make this the best wedding that Colorado has ever seen. And, and I think that there is an importance in going local and supporting the local community. I mean, I employed the town. That's really? The, yeah. To do that wedding between lodging and retail and transportation and design and decor and catering and architects and builders and you know everything that we did to to create that wedding we did it all locally you know it was a financial boost and i think ralph really took that to heart like he likes being involved in this community he's very generous and supportive of the film festival he comes here all the time He walks down Main Street, he eats at the restaurants. And I think he really heard me when I said, let's do this locally, we can do this for you. And so I finally, after months of interviews, got the job in April and the wedding was Labor Day weekend. So I got the job in April and it was the first weekend in September. I never talk money on the podcast, I don't. What I'm gonna ask you is like, when you said you flew to New York and you just in the preliminary discussions, yeah. They're not flying you out on a private plane, right? This is you paying for a ticket and paying for a hotel to go to New York to pitch this gig. No, this is not them picking me up and bringing me there. This is right. me. Being That's what I'm saying. So you're putting out your your own time and your own money to to get the gig. Yes, yes, it is. But that's normal, I think. Okay. I mean, there are certain jobs that you really would do anything to try to land. I have to imagine that I would not be the only event producer in the world that would get on that plane to meet, to take that meeting, right? Uh, Oh, of course, yeah. You had nothing signed, there was, you weren't, they weren't sponsoring you to come out. They weren't saying, all right, you know what? I wanna meet you, I'm gonna send our private plane. 100% hustling. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's um, that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, New York hustle, all the way. Right, I love that. And I was definitely, you know, I mean, talking a big game. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you be, I believe in, you have to, you know, put your cards on the table and be confident. And for me, that was obviously my first big high level celebrity job. Sure. And, you know, you kind of get the job, you sign the contract, and then you walk out of the meeting and go, oh, shit, I just <laughs> got this job. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can. I think I can. You know, it's like, I got this. That's I got great. This. 
Were you like jumping around the street, you know? Yeah, I mean, all, every emotion, you know? And, but I think a lot of the confidence of being able to land a job like that is some of my background, you know? I'm not just some country girl that's been living in the mountains. Like I, I, right. I am, like this is where the New Yorker kicks in. And it's not the first time I've been in a room with billionaires, you know? And I'm not intimidated by people. I think of myself as the same as whoever I'm sitting across from. It doesn't matter who you are and where you're from. And I think that my clients actually really respect that, that I'm not sitting there in awe and I'm not blowing smoke up their ass and I'm not telling them things just to tell them stuff. Right. Like, I am me. This is my personality. This is the way I run my business. And this is the way I talk to people. And I become more, you know, on their level. And I'm extremely honest. And I'm not just going to, like, fan them with palm fronds and feed them grapes. And these are people who could hire anybody at any time. Yes. So that's very flattering. It is. They liked me. I mean, really, that's, you know, at the end of the day, you have to connect. And I connected with them. Although they are Ralph and Ricky Lauren and all, you know, they're, but they're also sort of my people, you know. They're yeah. a little bit similar backgrounds. They have a great love for this t region, the Telluride area. Right. And so that is something that, you know, bonded us. And they are very respectful of this community. So I think they, they were excited about supporting the locals. I mean, it kind of comes back around to that local vibe thing that happens in these little ski towns or beach towns or whatever. Yeah. You know, they wanted to support that. No, but I, I just wanted people to get the idea of how you get these jobs. I mean, sometimes if you're in New York, they literally walk into your office. I think for me, um, people are not walking off the street into my office in Telluride, Colorado. Well, that's what I'm saying. In New York, yeah. you have a hell of a lot more opportunity. So, so after this, the Lauren Bush job and, and, you know, there was a lot of press with that and that sort of made a lot of wealthy people comfortable with having that level of a wedding in Telluride. So that's where the luxury industry really changed in this community after that wedding. I think that's when my phone really started ringing. All of these high level people were like, oh, our kid can get married in Telluride. Like this can happen. Okay. So the trajectory of my company dramatically changed after oh, that. Oh, yeah, sure. My dad actually said something really funny. I said, wow, like I just got hired by Meg Whitman and now I'm doing, you know, Tom Hill's wedding from Blackstone and that level of people. And my dad said, well, you know, Wendy, they're all talking to each other. Ralph talked to Meg and Meg talked to Tom. All the weddings I do are destination weddings, but the majority of my clients have a home here. They have some level of a connection to this region. So there is sort of like, there's like a billionaire round table a little bit. I mean, they do know each other and they are all speaking. So, you know, Meg Whitman probably did call Ralph and say, so I heard you work with Wendy and she handled the job. It's much more of a word of mouth thing for me. I really don't market much. I mean, I have a website, but I don't spend any money on marketing. If people want a big wedding in this town, we are generally now the ones that they call and based on past clientele and, and, and going back to that, everybody kind of knows each other here. It's not a big place. So tell me, just, I'm, I'm fascinated by this when you said literally you, you employed the town. We did. Yeah. I mean, what Ralph did was he gave me a, an architect and a builder and a guy named Doug Billmeyer, who's worked for the company since the early seventies. And he's the one that does all the interiors of the ranch and manages all the antiquities. So he was sort of like my polo guy. He was in a sense, the designer, um, although he's not an event designer. So I sort of had to guide him through the process of what it looks like to design an event. This is what I wanted to talk to you about. Is this, you and Telluride, me in New York, I'm, we're used to doing wealthy people's weddings. Right. But when you're talking about designing and your client is Ralph Lauren. It can be intimidating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fortunately, that's why he gave me a guy. He knew that Doug would create the vision. It was up to me to design the space and the look of, I mean, really what they gave me was a falling down barn and an open field 11 miles off the highway on a dirt road. <laughs> that's what I was given. 
and five months to do it. So, so what we did was Doug and I with this, you know, there's like a ranch architect and builder that are actually local to the region. So not New York architect, local architect. And we started designing and building all of the buildings. Like most of the time when you're doing offsite event production, you're tenting and those tents can almost look like buildings. But Ralph did not want any tents. So we actually built real structures, buildings, and the structures were lit like the interior of homes. So instead of having an event lighting designer come in for this job, I brought in like a home lighting designer to wire the building for the event. You know, offsite wedding on crack. Like it was, and you know, for an example, like even with the road, I mean, I was driving up and down that 11 mile dirt road and when it would rain, it would get really slick and scary. So one of the calls I had to make to Ralph that I won't ever forget is like, Ralph, I think we need to gravel this road. And he said, well, Wendy, are you telling me I need to gravel 11 miles of road? Ralph is funny because he likes to speak in movie scenes. I learned that the best way to communicate with him was setting the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I set the scene. I said, here's the scene. George Bush, former president, is driving down this 11-mile dirt road in the rain, and his car goes off the road. Is that what you want this story to be? Travel <laughs> 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 the road. Um, you know, um, he would sit. Ralph would say to me, like, "Where should the road go? Like, where should the chapel go?" And I would have to, like, this is me, like, just going for it. I'd be like, well, do you see how the wind blows from the west to east and see how the meadow is moving? I think the chapel would be best on this knoll with the view of the barn, you know? I mean, everything was like a movie. He talks about that in the documentary, that a yes. lot of the things he was he was moved by was... Very movie-based, and it's, it's true. So we built a 60 by 120 floor chapel with out of aspen logs and teepee canvas. Built all the benches out of down trees on the property. We put in all boardwalks and we put in sliding doors and decking and and like we built homes that are are still standing. I mean the Lauren family goes up on the anniversary and has a picnic every year. Like it's still there. It, so it's on their property. It's on their property. So yeah. So it was a it was a beautiful incredible special job that went off like perfection and then the clients started rolling in that's sort of like where yeah. then the company went crazy and then i became the ralph lauren wedding planner but that's a pretty good title it's a beautiful title it's great but i think when we talk about why i'm humble in all of it i do get told by people in the industry like well you know you are one of the biggest wendy but the truth is is After that job, I had a lot of opportunity for different press and travel, but I also had a three and a five-year-old during that time. Okay. I, and I, so I made a very conscious decision after that job. Like I, that could have been like my jumping off point to be one of those world traveling destination event planners. All right. So who are we we talking about? Is this like Colin Cowie? Is this Michelle? Is this? Is it like Ray, Michelle Rago, Lynn Easton? But that's that's one of the other people that David connected me with. He does beautiful work. Lynn does beautiful work. There's you know a bunch out in California, Allison Events, Allison and Brian. There's a there's a bunch of planners that you know are the ones that you call for the Lake Cuomo wedding or the Montenegro wedding or the wedding in Tokyo. There's two reasons why I've chosen not to go that path. I mean, and the biggest one is. I want to pick my kids up from school at the end of the day. My daughters are my priority. So all of this like celebrity and weddings and my grand big life, it's beautiful and great, but it's not my number one. My number one is my kids. And there are a lot of people in our industry that don't have children that are not married or, you know, it's a difficult job to have as a mom. And for me, being a mom is my number one priority and being right. a, a present and great mom. So, so I, I really chose to stay put, not travel. Saying, I said no a lot. Can you back up one second? Was, um, I mean, this wedding sounds like, you know, Princess Grace of Monaco in the 50s, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Was this covered by Vanity Fair or Vogue or Elle? Vogue. Covered by Vogue. It was covered by Vogue. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. 
You know, yeah, it's a great article. You know, it was all pretty secretive. I was, it, it was interesting. That was probably one of my big lessons back then was I'm, not, I'm actually not mentioned in the Vogue article. Get out. Because should have been and should have said to them, make sure that you say, swear I tell you I produced the wedding. And they felt awful about that. So since then, they're like, whatever you need, you know, whatever images you need, all of that stuff. But again, it really goes back to me. I'm not that person. It's not why I do this job. I do this job because I love meeting people. I love producing events. I love the thrill. No, but what I was going to ask you is the obvious question is sort of like, all right, so you, after you do this, that your personal profile just goes through the roof. Yeah, I mean, now we've been in magazines that say, you know, it's top 10 historic weddings of, in history. It was like number four behind, you know, the royals. Wow. Big time wedding, right? That's pretty cool for, yeah. you know, a Westchester kid that, you know, ski yeah. bum from Telluride. You're exactly right. Not trained in any way. I mean, I'm self-taught. Like, I never worked for anybody or worked in the industry. And when we talk about me being a mover and shaker and knowing some of them, like, I am in this little bubble in this little southwestern Colorado town. Yeah. Most of my work is in this place. So... I'm kind of distanced from the industry and I don't go, you know, that another, you know, you mentioned engage and, and some of these industry events and fam trips. I don't do a lot of that because again, I, it's mom first. So I, I randomly get to know different people in the industry, but I'm not flying to engage twice a year or going on a lot of these trips that pull me away. All of me knowing people and being known as just kind of, I don't know how it happens. They all do seem to know me. Yeah. It's just word of mouth, I guess. You know, it's well, funny. that's so cool. It's cool. It's cool. What was it? Can I just ask you an absurd question that you'd feel obligated to say? I have no idea. But what would the overall budget of that kind of once-in-a-lifetime event? I mean, I had the exact number, but I would never share it. Forget about money. How, how many structures did you have to actually build we built three structures so we built a chapel okay and we renovated a cabin that kind of was the bridal cabin where lauren got ready so her name is lauren 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 her, well i like to call her lbl that's my that's her dj name but she goes <laughs> by lauren bush lauren but she, but she actually is lauren lauren it's true. That's hysterical. It is. It's an eye-rolling thing for her, you know, because she's sort of... Yeah, of course. Oh, no one's going to say. I know. Yeah. Lauren, Lauren. I get the joke. <laughs> yeah, <know>? right. <laughs> Thank, thanks for being the first person to say it. Yeah, exactly. She's a wonderful human being. She runs a company called Feed. She sells bags and accessories, and, and a large percentage of it goes to feeding the hungry around the world. I mean, she is an incredible philanthropist, and they were, they were incredible clients. You know, so beyond being who they are, they really treated everybody beautifully. Yeah. George Sr. was not well enough to travel, so, and Barbara stayed with him. So we did like a surprise live stream for them. Oh, nice. Jeb Bush was there and George Bush was there. We had a lot of security, of course. We had security that I had hired for the property and for Ralph. And, and when we talk about security, there's, you know, 11 miles off a dirt road. There's not like a lot to be concerned about. But when, whenever you have a president at an event, there's Secret Service. And what I didn't know is that it's the state that provides the Secret Service when he's traveling. So the Secret Service that was there for the wedding was Colorado-based. One of the Secret Service members was for me. I had a shadow because if anything happened to me, there, we wouldn't have been able to run this show. <laughs> so I had this guy named Derek who literally was like three inches away from me for the week. Wow. And then I had another security guy who was a local guy, Bill Masters. So I had these security guards in a sense follow me around with like a satellite. I had my satellite phone, my cell phone, my radio, two secret service, two security guards. The joke in my family is when we talk about like me being humble and real, I definitely by the end of it was like on a little bit of a power trip. Because <laughs> oh, sure. Yet, 
you just you get to this point where it's like we had to make sure like not one image was taken we had to take every phone from everybody we had to make sure that everybody that was working on the job was cleared by secret service like it was an enormous process and so i come home after not being home for two weeks because i was sort of just not around planning this wedding and of course i'm like bossy and still my bossy you know big bad boss self my husband was like now listen honey <laughs> i know you're just a really big deal that job is over and in this house you're just a normal human being mom so get off your high horse you come off of these you know the adrenaline that goes into these kinds of jobs it's intense and then you got to remember like, oh yeah, I'm just a normal person. I'm just Wendy J. Let's go skiing tomorrow. Yeah. And hang out with my kids like every other person, you know. I mean, I had like my own secret service, like handing me water and a snack when I looked like I needed one. And I had people. Oh, that's got to go to your head a little, little bit. It does. It does. Oh, it definitely does. But then you got to like reel it in. And yeah. but you have to have that level of confidence to be able to pull it off at the same time. Like if of course, you're- yeah. You second guess yourself in that kind of situation, you know. Something tells me you would not have gotten the gig if they weren't fully confident that you could take care of the soul. I, they took a chance on me. Did I know that I could do it? Yes. But without a doubt, that family took a chance on me. I did not have the resume to get that job, you know. And okay. I, I don't want to pretend that I did because I truly didn't. They took a big chance. So these are people that literally could have called anyone in the world. Of course. It's but yes, as far as like who the producer, planner, I like producer more than planner. They, yes, they absolutely could have had anybody. But I, like I said, I, a, we, we connected. It's a personal connection that was created. That got you know why I like the term event producer is because I used to do a lot of musical theater. And mm-hmm. the producer is literally in charge of everything. They're in charge of the budget. They're in charge of the advertising. They're in charge of the money. They're in charge of the director. They're in charge of, you know. So the best way it was explained to me is doing a wedding is like putting on a Broadway show with no dress rehearsal. That's what Christina and David said to you because they have that musical theater background. And it's absolutely true. I mean, I don't have a theater background, but it is, to me, you know what I actually compare it to more? And maybe it's, my husband's an architect. So I think of my job more like, like a general contractor. That makes sense, yeah. I've heard that before. You know, um, there are producers that also design. I, my company, I have made a conscious decision not to have in-house design because I believe that the creative people and the business people are different. Now, obviously, a creative needs business people working in their office, but what I really am is like a master at logistics and dealing with people. Could you just explain for the listener? Because I've asked David, I've asked Christina, I've asked a bunch of people. And the difference between a designer and a planner slash producer. I, I hire the designer. I think that's really the big. And so the truth is, is that what I believe that my job is hiring the ultimate creative team to start. And then it's a collaboration to do the entire weekend. I mean, we're a destination planning. So it's not just the wedding day. It's It's four days of events and it's. It's soup to nuts. So it's starting from, you know, travel and lodging and, you know, save the dates and invitation, all pieces and parts to this weekend. Right. But really what my job is, is bringing in the best creative team for that client, that team that could, that's inclusive of musicians and food and, you know, all parts. The designer is in charge of the look of the wedding. The look of the wedding, that's a broad scoped, idea because that can include stuff like lighting design mm-hmm. um you know furniture t- um f- it's mostly floral but that's chargers and plates and glassware and linens the floral design i mean and the industry is just blown up to such enormous capacity like people are just going like bigger and bigger so uh, it's yeah. it's almost become like the designers are like interior decorators slash art installers you know, like we're, we're building these venues. And, and I think that's another really big piece to understand about my company is that the majority of my work is not within a venue. Telluride doesn't have a lot of large venues that fit a lot of people. Um, and the venues in Telluride, it's a small town. So there's, they're all kind of quirky. Um, so we do a lot of ancillary events 
in venues like rehearsal dinners and brunches and things like that, welcome parties. But the, uh, much of our weddings are off-site tented bills. And that's why I, I really resonate with that general contractor concept. Really what I'm doing is I'm building a building for a day. Now that could take a month to build that building and we're, we're only using it for one day, um, but that's what we're doing. And I work on properties all in you know, the surrounding area. So it's just a field. That's all it is. There's no electricity, no power, there's no water. No bathroom. No bathrooms, no nothing. And so what Swartera specializes in is bringing everything in, tenting and flooring. We build a kit, we build kitchens, bathrooms. There's a huge back of house village to make that front of house look phenomenal. And so when we talk about what David Beam does as a designer in that piece, and I will say that he is meticulous and by far one of the best in the world and an incredible creative, Christina and David both, they're really in charge of making that place look like that magical fairy kingdom or whatever that client look is. Right. That's his job. But within the what encompasses the whole weekend and what my job is, is I've got to make sure that the food is served to 250 people in less than 15 minutes. I've got to make sure the transportation runs on time. I got to make sure the sound check happened and the sound production, lighting production, the designer, catering, decor, all that stuff. And so that's what my job is, is making sure that runs smoothly. And within the build of those tents, the logistics that go into that, and it's a lot of layers of dealing with a lot of different subcontractors in a sense. People call them creative partners, vendors. That building a house analogy, it's the general contractor, mm -hmm. the client, and the subs. So I think that's the best sort of analogy, is that the designer is one of the pieces, one of the cogs in the wheel. Everybody believes that their job is the most important. Of course. My job is also reminding people that this is a collaboration, which is key to the success of these events. And also like what is the most joyful piece to producing events is the collaboration. I am nothing without that phenomenal designer, amazing caterer, incredibly talented photographer. Like I'm, I'm nothing. I'm like a chicken, a clipboard and a cell phone. <laughs> That's the quote for this podcast. <laughs> but the, the truth is that, it, you know, it, it's the collaboration is what's key and what makes it really fun. It's like going to summer camp for the week. You know, we're all working our asses off, but we're creating this amazing product for people and it's joyful and fun. All right. Can, you know? can you give me a really specific example? Let's just say you hired my band or okay. band X from California. I'll just, let's say that I hired your band. I like okay, it. so now what's involved? When I fly in, let's say I'm flying in your band from New York, I hire a local sound and backline company. The sound piece is all the speakers and everything to amplify the sound, but back, what backline means is all the instrumentation. We actually provide the drums, the guitars, the sax. But I mean, just sound and backline is often like almost $50,000 just to provide that piece to the wedding. Then you fly in, we provide, often we either provide transportation or you're renting vehicles, you're driving from the airport, we're putting you up for two nights, and we're providing transportation from a hotel up to this offsite tented location where we have built you a green room because again, we're starting just with a meadow. It's kind of a good deal for the band because the band gets to just roll up at noon on the day. We do sound check, we feed you, play your ass off. I am a music girl. I mean, when I talk about like following the Grateful Dead and, you know, those kinds of things. Music for me is a big piece to these weddings. And some producers are big foodies and, and they push hard that way or big into flowers. My two biggest pieces to the success of a wedding is band, number one. And then I actually think the timing of an event is imperative. And I often say like, you could spend a quarter million dollars on floral and $150,000 on catering. But if it takes 40 minutes for those plates to get dropped and people are waiting for their dinner, that's what they remember. Obviously design and decor is so important and it's that big wow factor. But 
I also stand in the kitchen with a stopwatch from when the first plate goes out to the last. And I make bets with my caterers to see how fast we can serve everybody because like that's a huge pet peeve of mine. I had told a caterer last year we were doing the wedding for Cheryl and Danny Tishman's son. Tishman Construction built the World Trade Center and won World Trade. So, right. um, so big clients, obviously. And I had told this caterer that my last caterer had served 250 people in less than 15 minutes because I stand there with my stopwatch. Literally a stopwatch. No, I have my phone. Now, when I say serving people, it's not like they're slinging plates. Like, it's five-star service. And I told the owners of the company, I said, listen, if you guys can do less than 15 minutes, I'll buy you each a ski pass. It's a very Telluride story. <laughs> and first plate goes out. I'm standing in the kitchen with my phone on stopwatch. And they served 250 people in eight minutes and 36 seconds. Wow. To the point where... Like when I pressed up and I said eight minutes, 36 seconds, like huge cheer in the back of the kitchen. Fortunately, the band was playing at that point. So <laughs> and I bought them each a ski pass. Wow. Yeah. Those are the moments when like the collaboration and everybody working together to make this thing happen. It's like, those are the beautiful moments. You make it fun and you don't take yourself too fucking seriously all the time because we are planning parties. It is an enormously important days for these clients, but it's supposed to be fun. And people in this industry are like quirky and strange and wacko. And <laughs> you know, even why we're all doing this job that, um, you know, certainly right now is a pretty painful job, but generally, you know, you gotta be a little crazy to wanna do this work. And like, those are like the memorable moments, like these huge successful moments when like, that's when it feels like summer camp, you know, when, you, when you, you know, you knock it out of the park and you know it and I'm supporting my subs, my vendors, and they're supporting me and we all know each other. And the funny thing about Telluride is, you know, the owners of that catering company, their kids also go to school with my kids. Like we all know each other here. So oh, it's okay. kind of like this family atmosphere. The clients don't get it that much, but like for us working in the back of house, we're, it's like a big family. Yeah. You know, in our asses off for people. You know, I say I run my company like a New Yorker in Telluride, and that's for the clients so that they know that we get shit done. Telluride is it's a recreation-based community. So, you know, people do close first powder days here. Um, so I, I make sure that shit gets done for my New York clients or my LA clients or whatever. Right. Um, but the vibe behind the scenes is like this really beautiful family experience. And I think that's why people know me in this industry or like the photographers are like, they know that it's going to be an enjoyable place to work, that I care about people, that I yeah. make sure everybody's fed, that I'm not running around like an asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. That it, 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 we can do it. We can do it well and, and, and enjoy the, the process as well. So really, when a band comes to Telluride, they're not taking a Friday night or a Sunday gig. Right. It's a weekend gig, but they charge for that. You know, I mean, right. what a band from New York costs for me here is a dramatic difference to what they charge to play the Rainbow Room. Right, exactly. Yeah, because it's three days with it. You can't three work. Three days, you know, and they can't, they can't do Friday, Saturday, Sunday that weekend. Right. That's that's the destination way. You know, that's the other thing that's a huge piece to doing work in Colorado is you don't have to overproduce because the mountains and the views are so spectacular. It's so gorgeous that it doesn't, you know, it's not like in New York City where you're turning a ballroom or a loft into something. It's about having these weddings and events in this setting that makes it so special. It's the views. I mean, if you look on my little Instagram, what you're looking at a lot of pictures of a lot of view. That is so cool. It is cool. It's a great life. It really is. You know, at the Bush Lauren wedding, I when we talk about like hiring everybody in town, I mean, I really, I had over 200 people, local people working for me. Every waiter was someone I personally knew. One of the things that was cool about that wedding was Everybody was dressed, this is, you like, you'll like this because you're a movie guy. Yeah. Um, we dressed, everybody that worked the wedding was dressed in the original costumes from the movie True Grit. No. Yeah. We got everybody that worked the wedding's um, measurements 
and the costume designer from True Grit shipped me. They shipped, we have like the vests and the hats and the shirts and the, with the armbands, cowboy boots, everything was sent to us from LA, from the True Grit set. And that's what we used. I can only imagine what that cost. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like you would, you, yeah. What would we it cost to rent? We don't do expensive things in this job. You know, yeah. David, same thing. It costs money. It's expensive. A huge part of my job is talking people off the sticker shock ledge. Everybody. That's a great expression. Because right. no matter who, how much money you make, everybody thinks their wedding is going to cost $100,000. But the truth is, is that it's millions of dollars. So it's expensive. So when you're talking about literally, we're not, it, that's not an exaggeration to say a million dollars or a couple of million dollars. It's not an exaggeration to say a million dollars. Okay. Not at all. Right. Especially, you know, when you, when you talk about the fact that we've got to bring everything in and we've got to build it. The flooring of the tent alone can cost $100,000 or more. Just the floor. Wow. I mean, obviously, a, a huge part of our job is budget expectations with clients from the beginning. The last thing I ever want to do is sell anybody on something that, that they can't afford. I mean, I, you know, I, right, of course. I can't afford to throw my daughter's a million dollar wedding. Right. So, I'm, I'm very conscious of working within people's budgets. I never want anyone to feel like there's any hidden costs or any surprises within this process. And, and, and a lot of that comes from just experience of knowing how much this stuff costs. So how do we do, Doug? We're like, we're deep into this thing. How'd I do? I'm so glad you made the time. This is so fucking cool. How did, how do you think I did? You did great. You have enough stuff? to make this happen? More than enough stuff. Is it like something that my father would be proud of to hear? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Well, you're the best and thank you so much. You're so generous with your time and you're amazing. Thank you for having me. It's great to meet you. I'll get you on that destination wedding route, get you out here. Oh, got to. I love meeting new people, so I appreciate this and I'm into it. No, this is great. Thanks for taking the time and have a great day. All right, sweetie. You Thank you so much. All my best, best. You. I look forward to hearing it. And we'll talk okay. soon. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, Doug. So there you go. I told you she was amazing. You can follow Wendy at Soiree Telluride. S-O-I-R-E-E-T-E-L-L-U-R-I-D-E on Instagram. And, of course, you can find me at Doug Winters, Inc., also on Instagram, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Of course, leave me a five-star rating. As always, please stay safe, stay strong, listen to the scientists, and we'll all get through this nightmare together. Okay, I'll see you next time. Have a great week.